Welcome to Red Pill Torah, calling believers from man's institutions to God's instructions. In our last podcast, we followed the way the Creator's blessing flowed through Adam and Eve and Noah to the entire human race. I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. The last person we spoke about was Abraham, and that is who we will begin with today. His covenant marks a striking change in the way Elohim dealt with the human race from that point forward. Amen. You can email us at redpiltorah at gmail.com. Follow us on redpiltorah.podbean.com. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Google Play. We love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. It's an inexpensive way of saying we're praying for you and we're with you. Amen. So, last episode, we left off with Abram and the Creator's covenant with him. The terms of the covenant are revealed in Genesis chapter 12 through chapter 17. Now, in this one-sided, unconditional covenant, Elohim promises to give Abram a great name, to give him countless descendants, even though he was old and his wife couldn't have children. Elohim promised to bless and protect him, to be Elohim, or God, to him and his descendants, to give him and his descendants a vast land, and to bless all the families of the earth through Abram. Now, according to Genesis 17 and 7, this is an everlasting covenant between Elohim, Abram, and his descendants. It was renewed with Yitzhak, Abraham's natural-born son, and Yaakov, Yitzhak's younger son. I classify this as a one-sided, unconditional covenant because the Creator spoke His divine will concerning Abram and did not offer him an option to do something else. Miss, in our last podcast, you mentioned a really great definition of unconditional covenants. They're characterized by Elohim saying, I will, which declares his determination to do as he promises. Our next covenant will be a different type of covenant. Okay. We could talk about Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov for years and never even scratch the surface, let alone fully cover everything about them. In the interest of time, we'll move on, but please read the entire story of Abram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. From Abraham on, the covenants directly covered specific people or a specific group of descendants. The next covenant given was to Moses, or Moshe. This covenant was to the descendants of Israel, or Yaakov. In Exodus chapters 19 through chapters 24, we read that Jehovah, our Elohim, tells Moshe to remind the children of Israel about how he rescued them from the bonds of slavery in Egypt. He said that if they agree to obey his voice and keep his covenant, that they will be his special people among all the people of the earth, his kings and priests. Mm-hmm. Once the children of Israel agreed, Jehovah tells them from Mount Sinai, in his own booming voice, the first ten of his instructions. The rest of Jehovah's instructions can be found in chapters 21 through 24. 
and they were told to the people by Moshe. Here we have our first example of a two-sided conditional covenant. In Exodus 19 and 5, the father said to Israel, If you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you will be a peculiar treasure unto me. The if-then statement makes this conditional. Exodus 24 and 3 records the people of Israel saying, All the words which the Lord has said, we will do. The parties involved are Jehovah and the children of Israel. Each party agreed to this two-sided conditional covenant. Now, as we will read in a few moments, this is an everlasting covenant, so it's still in force to this day. The next covenant we will read about is with Phineas. In Numbers chapter 25, the children of Israel were committing whoredoms and idolatry. Because this was an affront to our Heavenly Father um, and the covenant he made with Israel, mm -hmm. swift punishment was ordered by Jehovah and executed. Phineas, one of Aaron the priest's descendants, saw an Israelite committing whoredom in the camp. He immediately went in and killed the man and the Midianite woman who was with him. Because Phineas was determined to follow Jehovah's instructions, Jehovah stopped the plague that he had sent through the camp. Uh, Jehovah gave Phineas his covenant of peace and an everlasting priesthood for him and his seed after him. You can read this in Numbers chapter 25, uh, verses 11 through 13. This is a one-sided, unconditional covenant. The parties involved are Jehovah and Phineas and his descendants, and it is an everlasting covenant. So whether we see it or not, it remains in force to this day. In addition, because Phineas was a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov, the covenants with Israel remains in force for him and his descendants as well. King David was a descendant of the line of Judah, son of Israel. Second Samuel chapter 7 records King David's determination to build a house for Elohim. Elohim responded to David's decision with a covenant. In a one-sided, unconditional covenant, Elohim said that he would establish the throne of David forever, and his mercy would never leave David's son, who would ultimately build the house of Elohim. History records the name of this house as the Temple of Solomon. The covenant of an eternal throne was fulfilled through the birth of Yeshua, son of David and eternal king. It is still in force to this day. Mm -hmm. Based on what we studied together, the covenants of Jehovah are eternal. The covenants made with Adam and Noah covers all of humankind. But as mentioned before, our Heavenly Father started dealing with humans differently when he got to Avram. His covenant with Avram flowed through Abraham's family line and not directly to all of humanity. Let's follow the covenants in Psalm 105, starting at verse 6. You descendants of Avraham, his servant, you offspring of Yaakov, his chosen ones, he is Adonai, our God. His rulings are everywhere on earth. He remembers his covenant forever. 
the word he commanded to a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Avraham, the oath he swore to Yitzhak, and established as a law for Yaakov, for Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as your allotted heritage. When they were but few in number, and not only few, but aliens there too, wandering from nation to nation, from this kingdom to that people, he allowed no one to oppress them. Yes, for their sakes he rebuked even kings. Don't touch my anointed ones or do my prophets harm. He called down famine on the land, broke off all the food supply, but sent a man ahead of them, Yosef, who was sold as a slave. They shackled his feet with chains and they bound him in irons until the time when his word proved true. Amen. God's utterance, God's utterance kept testing him. The king sent and had him released. The ruler of people set him free. He made him lord of his household in charge of all he owned, correcting his officers as he saw fit and teaching his counselors wisdom. Then Israel too came into Egypt. Yaakov lived as an alien in the land of Ham. There God made his people very fruitful, made them too numerous for their foes, whose hearts he turned to hate his people and treat his servants unfairly. He sent his servant Moshe and Aharon, whom he had chosen. They worked his signs among them, his wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness, and the land grew dark. They did not defy his word. He turned their water into blood and caused their fish to die. Their land swarmed with frogs, even in the royal chambers. He spoke, and there came swarms of insects and lice throughout their land. He gave them hail instead of rain, with fiery lightning throughout their land. He struck their vines and fig trees, shattering trees all over their country. He spoke, and locusts came, also grasshoppers without number. They ate up everything green in their land, devoured the fruit of their ground. He struck down all the firstborn in their land, the firstfruits of all their strength. Then he led his people out, laden in silver and gold. Among his tribes, not one stumbled. Egypt was happy to have them leave because fear of Israel had seized them. Mm -hmm. He spread out a cloud to screen them off and fire to give them light at night. When they asked, he brought them quail and satisfied them with food from heaven. He split a rock and water gushed out, flowing as a river over the dry ground. For he remembered his holy promise to his servant Avraham. He led out his people with joy, his chosen ones with singing. Then he gave the land of the nations, and they possessed what peoples had toiled to produce in order to obey his laws and follow his teachings. Hallelujah. Amen. Miss, that's a really powerful scripture. It really does trace the covenant from Avraham down through Moshe. When I think about the covenants we discussed, it seems like each one builds on the preceding covenant. Elohim's promise to multiply Avraham's seed did not cancel the blessing on Adam to be fruitful and multiply. The original blessing of fruitfulness was active 
for Avraham and Sarah, causing an old and childless couple to have a son. The father's promise to David about his descendant being king on an eternal throne works together with the judgment pronounced on Hasatan in the garden mm -hmm. and the covenant for Avraham to bless all families of the earth. Yeshua, son of David, is the full meaning of each of those covenants. Now, so far, I don't see a precedent for previous covenants being done away with by new covenants. I do see our faithful Elohim keeping his word over many generations, and I see the covenants in the Torah and the Old Testament all working together to fulfill his plans. So why is it often taught in churches that the Torah, God's instructions, have been fulfilled in Yeshua, so we don't have to do them? Where do we read that? I mean, in John chapter 14, verse 23 and 24, paraphrased, Yeshua tells Judas that if a person loves him, they would do what Yeshua says, and his heavenly Father would love that person. But a person that doesn't love him won't do what he says. And the word that Yeshua says aren't his own, but his heavenly Father who sent him. Scripture after scripture has prophets of our heavenly Father pleading with the children of Israel to keep his commandments, to keep his covenant. Now, if we're grafted in, if we're part of Israel, how can we think that we don't have to follow Jehovah's instructions, which are part of the covenant? Mama, I think some people believe that the new covenant erased the need for the Torah, our God's instructions, even though his instructions are the terms of what we now know to be everlasting covenants. We'll examine the new covenant in our next podcast. In preparation for that, let's ask our listeners to ponder the question. What would you do if you discovered that the way you live your life and some of your beliefs are out of line with God's instructions? Would you take the blue pill and keep doing whatever you're doing? Or take the red pill and get in line with God's instructions? Only you can answer that question. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Please go back and listen again to what we've shared. Reread Psalms 105 and follow the covenants through the line of Avraham. And don't forget to share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for taking 15 or so minutes with us at Red Pill Torah, where you can handle the truth.